Reading from the book of Psalms, chapter 40, verse 5. Many, Lord my God, are your wonders you have done. The things you planned for us, none can compare with you. Were I to speak and tell of your deeds, there would be too many to declare. A ti no te complacen sacrificios ni ofrendas, pero me has hecho obediente. Tú no has pedido holocaustos ni sacrificios por el pecado. Well, good morning and welcome to Edge City Church uh, virtually. I'm so glad that you guys could be with us here this morning. My name is Pastor Justin. I am one of the pastors here at Ed City Church. We're just so glad that you could be with us this morning. Especially, I want to give a shout out to all the moms. Happy Mother's Day. Um, so glad that uh, we can get to get together, at least through technology at this time, and, and, and spend some time right now in focusing and hearing God's Word and uh, how important that is even for us as we look through His Scriptures and look through His Word to see what God may have for us as he shares with us this morning from his word. Uh, but in light of that, I know Mother's Day could also be a challenging day for some of us. It could be a day that could be filled with all sorts of emotions and feelings, and, and that could be challenging maybe for some, especially with in light of COVID-19 that's going on. A lot of the moms may feel like they're stuck at home at this moment, and, and the kids are just wrapped around uh, their their feet at all times. So. But even with that being said, uh, I think God even has a word for you that He wants to share with you this morning. So even as I stand here and share with you, I was kind of a little bit nervous of prepping this sermon. Uh, because I knew how important this message is, even for some of our folks. Keeping in mind as far as what, what God may be sharing with us. Many will be thinking, even for this, as Mother's Day, what kind of sermon are you planning to share is it a sermon uh, that you've been focusing on just mothering itself? And really, does the pastor get what motherhood even looks like? And I get it. I get all the, the challenges that you may be feeling and experiencing. But there's different types of sermons that are being preached even on Mother's Day that maybe even prevents you even from wanting to come. You know, some of those Mother's Day uh, messages are, are, are messages that may be focused on how awesome the moms are. And that's all the focus may be. And sometimes the preacher will point to, look at Mary. Why can't you be a better mother? Maybe it could be the story of something else, something totally different, where it tells you how can you be a mom, where you best way for you to succeed in, in life, and how to be the best mom through those actions and through those ways. And sometimes when it comes to many of our preachers, we, we, we tend to forget as well Mother's Day itself, because we know it can be painful and hard, and we ignore it completely. And we don't even honor any of the mothers at all. Either way, whatever the case may be for us this morning, I really want us to focus even on the whole entire cultural view of Mother's Day and how God speaks into it in a practical way that I think that the church can actually be an example and play a role in it. Because I really believe Jesus is the only one that could truly transform Mother's Day the way that He sees it, the way that He looks at it. And that's really what I want to look at this morning. 
I want to look at it in a way that honors all moms, but also all people. So as you are watching this, even through our Zoom right now, we'll see that even on Mother's Day, there's different stages of life for all ladies. But with that said, here's the question that I want us to wrestle with as a church this morning. How does Jesus help His church transform the cultural flaws of Mother's Day? And I'll say it again. How does Jesus help His church transform the cultural flaws of Mother's Day? And I have three things that I think are important for us that we can wrestle with. One is by revealing the cultural frustration of Mother's Day. The second is by showing how only Jesus can transform Mother's Day. And third is by allowing His church to honor moms without dishonoring others. I pray that this morning that you could see Jesus transforming the cultural ways that we probably have seen Mother's Day, but seeing how Jesus really transforms it and sees it through His eyes and allowing His church to have great awareness and to walk through that with great joy, but also remember to weep with those who are finding this day very difficult. So with that said, let's go dive in and look at point one of our message. And point one is this, by revealing the cultural frustration of mothers on Mother's Day. So this is the verse from verse 6 to 8 of the passage that was just read to us in Psalms 40. In sacrifice and offering, you have not delighted, but you have given me an open ear. Burnt offering and sin offering, you have not required. Then I said, Behold, I have come. In the scroll of the book it is written, I delight to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. So even as I read the passage to you, I want to kind of give you an, an overview of really what Mother's Day and how it started. It was strictly speaking, it really isn't a Christian holiday per se. Nor was it an explicit day where we say it has a lot of biblical basis, but... It was actually established through the efforts of Ann Jarvis, beginning in 1905 in Philadelphia, and it eventually became a national U.S. holiday in 1914, from which it spread through other countries. And therefore, it became to a point where we start to wrestle on this day where it became a national holiday. Is it honorable to celebrate this within our church services, regardless of its good intentions that Mother's Day brings along with it? What's it to stop us from honoring, say, Valentine's Day or President's Day or Halloween or nu numerous other essential circular observations that we maybe see at all times? See, the reality is that Anna Marie Jarvis wanted to express her love and appreciation to her, to her mother, who was a hero to her. And that's really how Mother's Day really came to form to be. Now, what was so unique about her is that she charged through a campaign to establish it as a national holiday by putting, put, putting and pushing the right buttons, the right influence, the right politicians so that this day can be. That's why in the early 1900s, Congress was able to pass this law. That's why here on the second Sunday of May, we're actually able to celebrate Mother's Day. Now, hear this. After several years later, Anna who started Mother's Day, actually hated this day. <laughs> she actually devoted her whole entire life, her whole savings, to eventually abolish this. Why, you may ask? The reason is that Mother's Day eventually became more a commercial day. 
It sickened her. It frustrated her. It angered her. Because it came to a point where kids, uh, they were simply writing cards, just only signing their names and then giving to their mom. And that's it. There was no true feeling or affection of deep love for their mom or the appreciation for their mothers. It came to a point where they felt it was just a lazy motive of just doing anything for their moms. And this really bothered her. The thoughts of sons and daughters signing cards and buying candy was only simply as a way to just to put a pacify in the mother's mouth to disguise really the true affection. And it was this, this was something that was disturbing Anna Marie at that time. And because of that, and knowing how things have been so commercialized, she wanted to make sure that this day was to be abolished completely. And as true as it was back then, it is true even today. How commercialized it is, even in our own culture, when Mother's Day itself, here today as we even celebrate it. Either way, Mother's Day has started with the highest idea. But the Mother's Day culture has become something that's much more, much more conceived to be something that has been commercialized. Something that has been troubling for many others. Where it simply has become to a point where we're not really caring or loving as much to our moms, where we're simply clicking a button on Amazon and delivering flowers and that's it. Is there more? Is there something deeper that Jesus may be speaking and sharing about? And that's what I want to kind of look at, even the biblical passage that we just read. See, in the Old Testament, this passage that was just read to you, uh, that you just heard, it really spoke about Israel's history. It was filled with the sacrificial system where God was observed with this as the same attitude, that He was the one who witnessed people in this system not being filled with gratitude to God or the forgiveness of sins, that these practices actually symbolize. Think about it. God started the sacrificial system for at least two reasons. First, He deserved that His people were loth in sin. The priests always made the sacrifices and the blood costly seen reminded the people of His holiness and their sin. Second, the sacrificial system was intended to help people long for a Savior whose sacrifice will be complete and perfect. See, the system was elaborated, but it was never intended to be sufficient. Instead, it pointed to something that was called to be something much better, something that was going to be much deeper. It was designed to be a tutor to teach people how, could, how could they could never fulfill the law. So hear me closely on this. On this, when David was king, many people missed the point. See, the culture among God's people was filled with empty sacrifices, with no lothing of sin or any longing for a savior. Much like an ungrateful son quickly signing a Mother's Day card in an empty attempt to pacify his mother. In the same way, many people mindlessly offered their sacrifices. Into this apathy and untransformed culture, David is the one who wrote this famous psalms. And the verses that we saw was actually addressing himself to God. It was a way for him to lament. As I think more and more about Mother's Day, for me, even growing up, it was the same way that I did it. It was a way that I simply just wrote my name on a card and let the card dictate how I felt. But it wasn't really deep enough. I fell into the traps of the commercialization. Not only that, I've seen churches fall into that as well. Where we honor the mothers, which we should, but we forget everyone else who may find this day very painful. Just as David realized in the Psalms of prayer before God, he knew that the culture of the sacrifice system needs a transformation. In the same way, we need that for Mother's Day, 
that will honor all women and not dishonor others. This is important, church, or it's easy for us as a church to fall into this trap as well. Just like in the scriptures, David had long been convinced that God was focused on the hearts of his people, their culture, not on the mindless emotions that betrayed their true feelings. So into this culture of meaningless surface, David assured God that his ears were open to him and that he was ready to listen and to obey. See, God did that. But we see also David, he didn't do this perfectly. His ears, even though they were open, even though his hearts were open, it was still flawed even in itself. And we see that through it over and over again. If anything, this confirmed that David's Psalms was ultimately not David's Psalms. It was about a Psalms about a king who would suffer for his people. And we see this not only in the Psalms, but we also see this in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. And it's filled with the promises of the king, which is Jesus. Because he's the one who only truly transformed that sacrificial system. Because he's the one who fulfilled it. Church, I think in the same way, God wants his church to have its eyes open on Mother's Day. I see it from the heart of God that it is important for the way that Jesus views all women from all different stages of life. The level of care, the love, and the sensibility, and the awareness that we need to have on this day is very important. Because I really do believe that Jesus is the only one who could truly transform this culture. And he only allows the church to respond in that way by responding, really looking at the ways that Jesus has seen this day. So just as Christ came to fulfill and complete and redeem the system, He calls now the church through His Spirit to redeem the system of the culture of Mother's Day. Just as Jesus stood on the edge of heaven and entered our world in a body so that His obedience could become our obedience and His sacrifice would end all other sacrifices, King David offered his ears to God, King, but King Jesus offered his body ultimately. See, the sacrificial system was broken because we are broken. In the same way, church, culture void of the gospel are empty and worthless. See, church, culture apart from the grace of Jesus are broken. Just because the church talks about grace doesn't mean the culture is filled with grace. Thankfully, Jesus changes everything. Unlike Anna Marie Jarvis, Jesus could change and fulfill the system that was always designed to point to Him. Only Jesus can transform the culture of Mother's Day. That's why when it comes to Mother's Day, there's a spectrum of focus that we need to really look at, and that's to look at the whole picture of how Jesus really transforms this day and how He calls the church to respond. So that leads me to my second point. Only Jesus can transform Mother's Day. Let's read verse 5. It says, You have multiplied, multiplied, O Lord my God. Your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us, none can compare with you. We'll proclaim and tell of them, yet they are more than can be told. This is how I think Jesus is addressing Mother's Day. And he and he didn't just focus on the moms or just Mother's Day in itself, but he really focused on every lady, every stage of life, because he saw something that was very important that he needed to address, that he needed to speak on. See, the definition of Mother's Day is 
really define this day based only and surrounded around just life stage. That this life stage was related only to this holiday. In theory, this basically limits itself to only certain people within the church body. While everyone supports and honoring your own mothers, for many people, Mother's Day brings up difficult emotions. For those who are married but childless and wish they, are, and wish they were not, who are single but desire to be married, who have lost a child or who had an abusive mother, who have recently been, uh, who lost uh, a child because, because of many various different reasons. Either one of these things could be difficult for you on this day. And Mother's Day can be a day of sadness and maybe not joy. I think it's this time where the church needs to actually engage in the culture and ask, how does Jesus view Mother's Day? And we start to ask how, if at all, should we factor Mother's Day even in our Sunday services? What does that look like for the church? Because I think it's important that we need to acknowledge not just the mothers, but all, all people. And if we don't, there will be great consequences that come from it. Now, I don't know if I have the, the, the one-size thing that fits all of this together. However, I thought it might be helpful to provide some thought and how the Bible actually speaks beautifully and speaks to the entire spectrum of Mother's Day and that it embodies. This means everyone. So it moves from joy to sadness and everyone in between. And I think the scriptures really speaks to that because we see that Jesus is really the only one who can transform this day. And for the church to respond, we need to see how the scriptures speaks to each and every life stage that people face and go through, even on this day, on Mother's Day. So hear me on this. There's a few things that I want to share on this that I think may be important to you. But I, I pray that the Spirit can speak to you even at this time. Because the reality is that the wonderful thing about Scripture is that it not only acknowledges our life stages and the goodness of them, even when they're murdered by sin, it also dignifies all of us as image bearers of God which transcends life stages. So I hope to trace just a few lines of that for you to indicate the blessings that even come not on this day for the entire body of Christ and how Jesus speaks to each and every one of us and how His Spirit can be able to transform us and really allow the church to respond with gentleness and with grace. So with that, there are a few things that I think may be important for all who are listening right now. So let me address first for all the mothers. Scripture points and tells us that you, you, you are full of goodness of this Mother's Day. That we see this truly from the Ten Commandments itself. Where the commandments say, honor your father and your mother. At the head, even, even itself, we see the, the level of respect that comes from being a mother. Because it's confined in the heart of God and His moral law. Paul even takes this a next step further where he addresses this in Ephesians chapter 6 verses 1 to 3 where he mentions his commands with first with a promise that he speaks about because there's something truly beautiful about this. Something good about this relationship of love and respect between a mother and her child. Another thing that I'll look at is for the adoptive mothers. Scripture also presents us with the wonderful theology of adoption. Indeed, it is one of the foundational ways that we should understand our relationship with God. We see this in Romans chapter 8, verse 15. 
But there's also the special attention given to becoming an adoptive parent, such as that we have seen throughout even scriptures itself, from the herds by Jacob from Genesis chapter 48, 5, and the adoption of Esther and Mordecai. Most distinctly, we see Stephen giving his highly condemnation of Pharaoh's daughter, who adopted Moses, if you're familiar with the story, and brought him up as her own son. And we see this in Acts 7, chapter 21, which was ultimately referring to Exodus 2. The relationship between a mother and her adopted child is actually a wonderful gift of God. This may be painful, but for the mothers who have lost a child, there may be fewer pains so immersed that that could be ultimately so painful for many, and that's the loss of a child for a mom. All this death is not part of the original plan that God has always intended to be, but the breaking of the pattern such that a child dies before his or her parents is particularly tragic. For these mothers in particular, Mother's Day is a garment that fits, but like sackcloth. Scripture describes the rarity of women who mourn the death of a child. The first mother, Eve, lost her son, Abel, in the most terrible circumstances in Genesis chapter 4 through murder. We see Bathsheba's first child, but David, who died after a few, few, few days of life in 2 Samuel chapter 12. We also see Naomi, who endured the death of both her son, leaving her childless widow in Ruth chapter 1 verse 5. The stories of these women and the stories of many are there. And we see how this affected all of them, especially for Mary itself. We see Mary, the mother of Jesus, basically. In the time of birth, God informed Mary that because of this child, a sword will ultimately pierce through your own soul as well, found in Luke chapter 2, verse 35. And who could forget the tragic fulfillment of this prediction where Mary witnesses her own son's death? But even in the midst of that sorrow, we have the tender love of Jesus himself as he commits the care of his own mother to his beloved friend John in John chapter 19, verse 27. For many of the children, either young or old, you may be sitting here on Mother's Day and it might be, feel different for you because you probably lost your mother, whether you were young or maybe when you were older. Whatever that may be, it, it may come to a point where angry this day has been a day maybe where you visit the graveside to place flowers. Can I say that Scripture also speaks to this? Scripture speaks openly about the pain of losing one's mom. The portrait of Isaac and Sarah particularly notable. After Sarah died, not only did her husband Abraham mourn her extensively in Genesis 23, but we read later that Isaac was com comforted after his mother's death through the marriage of Rebekah, found in Genesis 27:67, showing that the death of his mother, that he was able to grieve. See, the Bible is honest about how children of a mother, even an imperfect one, are profoundly affected by her death. And I know I could speak greatly for this. I've lost my own mom five years ago to lung cancer. It's an experience and feeling that deeply has left a big wound into my, you know, my own heart. But as painful as it is, I could remember just as that story with Rebecca and them. I was able to, I was engaged with my wife when I lost my mom. But through that conversation with my wife-to-be, she also lost a parent. So we were able to relate. We were able to grieve and process this together. Let me also speak to all the grandmothers. Mother's Day is also a special time to celebrate those who are multi-generational mothers. There is often a special relationship that is formed between a grandmother and her grandchild. It is unclear how many 
sweet, what do you call Timothy grandmothers, Lewis's, are given out there that speak to, if anything, to a younger person. Paul actually speaks about this and speaks this of greatly in the book of Timothy, where he basically says, your grandmother, Timothy, was a great spiritual influencer to you. He even spoke much about it, of the sincere faith that was passed on into you as well. A faith that dwelt first in your grandmother and then through your mother and now surely dwells in you, what we see in 2 Timothy 1.5. And this is a beautiful picture of how the faith of a grandmother can set the course for not only her children, but her children's children. That's beautiful. And I think it's so important that the that kids are able to connect with their grandparents if they're there. Especially grandmothers, they play such a role in, the, in their lives, in especially early stages of life as well. And even, even as they get older. But I think that relationship is so important. I know I can see this even within my own little kids. I have twins and I have a, a little one. And, and, and we see their grandmother coming over, playing with them, but also instilling faith, even as a young child, of the goodness of God and the love of God. And we see the kids themselves clapping and, and singing and blabbing words at this time. But they're singing of great songs, of praises of who God is. Yes, their grandmother is Pentecostal. But besides of that, but she brings a great element that we rejoice in there. As well as these kids clap and sing. And we love it. And that connection is real for all the grandmothers. For the wife struggling to have children, the celebration of Mother's Day can be for women who struggle with infertility, an intensely difficult day. They desire to be a mother. It may be the foremost ache of their heart. My wife and I know this silent suffering. In many churches, women who are married and desire children but cannot, for various reasons, have them often feel left grieving in the shadows, particularly in a nuclear family-oriented church era. See, Scripture once again speaks to the difficulties of not being able to have children. Indeed, it is a theme that is prominent, even if anything, throughout all of Scripture. Whether it's the old, whether it's the new, we see this over and over again throughout Scripture. From the stories of Abraham and Sarah, from Genesis 11.30, to Isaac and Rebekah in Genesis 25.21, to Jacob and Rachel, and many others, Zechariah and Elizabeth. The list goes on, actually. But these are just few that I wanted to share. See, God hears the silent sobs of these women. And what I find particularly important about these, even whatever the situation is, God is close to them. But also the husbands, they step up big time. And they themselves are even praying for their wives. I know this to be true because we wrestled to have kids before we had our twins. It was day in and day out that we prayed and that we cried. But to a level of depth of prayer that I've never done or, or even experienced, but through it, God was able to provide us with children, which we thought was going to be impossible. So I get the silent suffering. And I get that it's okay to cry before God and letting Him know how you feel. For the wives with no children, in a situation such as this, that was, I was just described before, what we see through the New and the Old Testament, a lot of those couples, they eventually did have children. But at the same time, they're going to be individuals, many women, that you won't be able to have children at all. But many of them, whether it's today or beyond, or whatever the case may be, whether you're married or not, whether life circumstances come in the, in the picture, or medical reasons as far as why you're not able to have children, or choices that you've made, this 
is filled within the church as well, in the circle, in the life of the church. And for some, this could be a painful time as well. Because many times as the sermons go, or the illustrations and the ministries, a lot of the times they'd be just focusing on kids, really. And it's just raising what it looks like to raise kids. While the Bible, no doubt, affirms the goodness of procreation, it also recognizes married women who, so far as the evidence show, do not have children. We see this in Priscilla and Aquilus, who were great examples who followed in the lines of the ministry of Paul himself. And we see this throughout the book of Acts and all the other books that Paul was able to write and how they were missionaries who risked their necks, who risked their lives for the sake of the gospel. And scripture is kind of silent in a way, whether if they had children or not, as they traveled, as they went along. In Romans chapter 16, verse 4, kind of, kind of pinpoints a little bit of that. So who knows, really? But through the issues and trials that they went through, there's a possibility they probably didn't have children. Maybe that was a choice that they made. And there could be many reasons why a woman might be married but have no children. But Scripture itself ascribes great value for them in the role of the body of Christ. For all the single moms that are out there, for many in the church, this is a great... It, great big picture that we see more often to a point where it almost becomes like a norm in our church. And what we sadly see with the single moms is that many who are raising these children on their own because of various different reasons, whether it's a crisis of pregnancy or the death of a husband or divorce, and that's why they feel like they're in this position, they themselves are wrestling on this day. Because for them, there is no husband that's buying them flowers on Mother's Day. They often do not find it easy to fit in at the church. But scripture, once again, speaks to this challenging reality. Hagar, I think, is a perfect example of this. Perhaps the clearest example. She was, in effect, used by Abraham and Sarah as a solution to their own infertility. And then cast it out of her home, leaving Hagar basically as a single and homeless mother. Yet God hears her cry and ministers to her, in the wilderness by an angel, promising to bless her through her trials. This is found in Genesis 16, verses 1 to 12. Wonderfully, wonderfully, Hagar gives a name to the Lord in the scene itself, and that's the God who sees. She has an encounter with God, who has seen her in the plight of not abandoned her, but much of the church in the same way. For the single woman, the fact that Mother's Day... <laughs> is here and all the life changes and the challenges that it brings for this day. Many women in the body of Christ have a deep longing to be married and bear lots of children, but for whatever the reason is, that may not be there and, and may not be able to live those present realities. That Mother's Day can be a harsh reminder of the unmet desires that are there. Other women may have a distinct sense of calling, maybe temporary for a reason or not, to remain single and serve the kingdom of God in different ways. And that's okay. But also itself brings a challenge when the church is not able to speak or address in different fashions and forms. Whether a single woman falls on the spectrum and the process right now or not, Paul, I think, speaks greatly about the kingdom itself and how people have played in different roles in light of that. And scripture speaks greatly about this in instrumental ways. And we see this throughout the different people, the different ladies that he spoke about this. From Deborah to Anna to Mary 
to, to many others who were there as well. And we see this throughout various different passages of Scripture, from the old and to the new. But sadly, many churches, when they think and talk about the single woman, many churches send the message that being single is to be on a JV team, waiting for promotion to the varsity team, versus marriage. Scripture, however, sees women in the life circumstances as complete image bearers and invaluable to the kingdom of God. Spiritual moms, there's many in our church, and I know many, many men and women in the church, whether you're young or old, did not have a biological or adopted, or you may have adopted mother growing up. And these could be various different reasons, whether it's due to death, divorce, crisis, or numerous other situations. See, within the body of Christ, however, there's a great hope for these individuals, as other women in the church can be used by God to bless such. And I think these spiritual mothers play a significant role in the church and play even a significant role even on Mother's Day and how they've impacted the church at large. And Scripture even gives a shout-out to this in Romans 16, 13, where he speaks about the mothers and mothers as means as well to really bring them together, even though they may not be biological, but describes how they play this motherly role within the church and the spiritual well-being. I think that's important for all women in your life. And the list goes on that I could talk about various different life stages. But I think Christ has something that is specifically important of how he could transform Mother's Day. Rather, he, he gives scripture as a voice to speak for those who are quiet, who are struggling on this day, who may even find this day to be very hard. Mother's Day, when viewed in a biblical lens, it gives us, if anything, a view as a church and how things should be done. And I think that's what's important for us to look and to understand. Because it helps us, a church, not to respond with a hallmark attitude, but really a biblical one that's filled with grace, that's filled with great love, that's filled with great truth, that could speak to every stage of life. And I think that's important, for even for Mother's Day, how important this is. So let me come to my final point, and my point three is this. By allowing his church to honor moms without dishonoring others. Look at, we're going to look at Romans, actually, chapter 12, verse 15. It says, Paul tells the church to rejoice with those who rejoice and weep with those who weep. Now I'm going to fly through this for the sake of time. But what I really want to show is how first we saw the culture and the frustration that we see we see how Jesus is able to transform and speak to all different life stages for the ladies. We see how Jesus transforms even Mother's Day. But now he calls for us as a church to respond in light of that. And I think there are specific ways that this could be even spoken to. Because as I mentioned, this could be a hard day for others, for many. This could be a day of weeping. How can the church come along and care for each and every one of us in this unique way to really make this day an honorable day? For all. So here are just some few practical things that I think as a church that we could probably explore and kind of look to see what we could do. <clears throat> I think first and foremost, we need to preach the gospel. Share the gospel, biblical truth, how Jesus is transforming this day itself. I think we need to pray in corporate prayers for all different stages of mom, whether, whether they are single moms or whether they've been mothers for a long time or they're desiring to be moms. Have people come up in front of the church and to just pray over many of them. 
maybe it's important, maybe something that you may have already heard even through our service already, is the testimonies. You know, testimonies of specific uh, mothers or, or grandmothers that could share just life experience that could be a blessing to all people. I know many churches, they've given gifts on Mother's Day. What happens if we give gifts later on in the service, or maybe completely, not even in the service itself, but to honor in a whole different way, to think a little bit outside the box. Maybe sometimes it's important to get kids involved. You know, why, why not get the kids involved in small groups, whether that is your biological mother, your adoptive mother, your foster mother, whatever the case may be, have something the kids maybe could do within the service. Finally, one thing that I, I, I personally like is be able to give a donation to local charities and honors of moms. And this could be great impact even for the community, but also great impact for our church as well. And, and whether with women's shelter or crisis pregnancy centers, it will be able to honor the moms in your church instead of maybe spending money and elsewhere. But with that said, I conclude with this. <clears throat> as we look to see how Jesus is the only one that transforms Mother's Day. What I find to be important, and I think that will speak to each and every one of us, is when Jesus was on that cross, when he was dying, actively dying on that cross, we see his mother right there beside him. And we see Mary weeping, knowing that his son was dying. And it was at that moment Jesus basically told his disciple John, now this is your mother, come, take care of her. I think in the same way, Jesus is calling us to be the church, to come around all the ladies who are struggling, who are wrestling on this day. May we be a church that responds in light of this truth. May we be a church that extends love and grace. May we be the church that responds the way that Jesus sees Mother's Day so that we change completely the culture, how it is seen today in our world. With that said, let me just pray for you all. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. We thank you, even on this day of Mother's Day, that we can look to you, Jesus, our great King, our, our great Savior, the one that we love, that we care, that you are the one that is close to those who are weeping, those who may be rejoicing, maybe for those who may be struggling even now. May you speak to them, may you comfort them, may you give the peace that's needed. We thank you, Lord, for all that you do. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.